to the Rumble Report Lasses podcast in association with Sutherland Community Soup Kitchen and Her Game 2, the campaign against sexism and misogyny in football. My name's Rich Spear and I'm delighted to be joined for this first interview podcast of the of the new pod by Gemma Wilson, who was a Sunderland legend, played for Sunderland for many years in the 2000s and 2010s. She was a centre-back all the way through our time in the, the WPL and then in the WSL, formed a fantastic centre-back partnership with Steph Bannon and is our first interview guest. So how are you this morning, Gemma? I'm good, yeah. Um, it's nice to, to be talking about football instead of kind of the usual day job these days. So it's uh, glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an exciting time for Sunderland fans. I think we've both got our tickets, but we'll talk about that at the end for, for Wembley <laughs> on Saturday. Um, but you're, you're, and you're a massive Sunderland fan, aren't you? Um, you're originally from South Shields, is that right? Born in South Shields, but kind of grew up my whole life in Washington, yeah. All right. And um, so I guess supporting Sunderland is a, just a big family tradition, is it? So, so my dad's side of the family are all Sunderland fans. Um, my mum's side of the family, there's, there's only really us. My mum and one of our brothers are Sunderland fans. The rest of them are, are Newcastle fans because they're, they're, she's from like the Jarrow, Hebben kind of area. Oh, right. But yeah, I mean, as long as I can remember, I remember going to Roker Park and back then it was like my dad would just lift us over the turnstiles <laughs> rather than actually pay for us to go. Um, but yeah, great, great memories of, of Roker Park. As a mascot, actually, for, I think it was in, I think it was my seventh birthday. I think it was against Bolton on Boxing Day. It was great. I mean, just loved Roker Park. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, what what end were you? Were you a Roker end, a full end, a clock stand paddock? Uh, no, I think we were... To be honest with you, my dad would just go wherever. <laughs> he just used to he just used to go in. Um, but generally speaking, we were we were in the full end. Yeah, that's, I, I ended up in the full end. Uh, started yeah. started sitting behind the goal in in the uh, Roker end, but then when I as soon as soon as I was big enough to see, I uh, I, I was in the full end in amongst it. Yeah, yeah. I just remember like you just, I couldn't I, I couldn't see because um, I think when the when the stadium of light opened, it was ninety seven, wasn't it? So I'll have been kind of I'll have been nine going on ten. So at Roker Park, I just used to my dad used to basically just hold us up, so I, I was at like <laughs> his kind of height, so I could see over people. So you were you grew up football mad then, and yeah. playing all the time, playing with you know little kids in around Washington. Yeah, absolutely. All my friends growing up, if I'm honest with you, um, until we kind of got closer to secondary school, was uh, were all all boys. It was just a case they they were the group really my mm-hmm. age group around where I lived. So it was it was always always football. And my sister, my older sister, was was very girly girl. So I think I think my dad wouldn't have wouldn't have handled if he didn't have somebody who was in, interested in sport and interested in football. So I think I was uh, it was my destiny I think to to be involved in football. So uh, how did you get started at Sunderland as a as a player? How did you get noticed? What was your kind of journey into playing more formally than than just having to kick around with the lads in in your local area? So really, there wasn't really a lot around when I was a kid for for girls. It was a case of find a team, any team, and, and see if you can get involved in it. But in terms of, of joining Sunderland, we were, so when I say we, it's kind of myself, um, the likes of Jill Scott, Steph Horton, Carly Telford. We were all kind of part of that very first Centre of Excellence. Mm-hmm. So the Sunderland set up their, their Centre of Excellence and it was a case of, they just had open trials. So it was, I think it was me mum actually, she saw it somewhere and she just put my name down for it, took me along, and that, that's how I got involved. So I, I joined the under-10s. Uh, no, sorry, I was 10. I joined the under-12s, and then it was the under-14s. And back then, it was you didn't have to be 16 to join the women's setup. It was You only had to be 14. Um, so at the point of turning 14, myself and Steph Horton were asked by Mick Mulhern at the time mm-hmm. um, to go and join the women's team. And it, I mean, this probably puts into context, actually, Sunderland and what, what the club really means to the likes of me and Steph, and, and to be fair, all the players now. But it was, I'd literally just been having a conversation with my parents about joining a women's team. It was it was rare roles, because the Centre of Excellence back then, it was kind of, you had one game, uh, one tournament a year, and it was down in Warwick. So you'd get up at stupid o'clock in the morning, you'd travel down to Warwick, 
um, and then you travel back and that was pretty much your season done from a, from a young player's point of view. So you had to join other clubs as well. So I asked my mum about joining a women's team. She's like, no, you're 14, you're far too young, your body won't handle it, you, you can't do that. And then as soon as Sunderland asked if I would join, I was like, yeah, absolutely, no problem, let's go. <laughs> so it was, it was, Sunderland were always kind of seen in that, that different light, I think, from yeah. me and, and with my family. That it's, it, I always find it fascinating that, you know, the, the, the much kind of younger age that women have come through into the game. Yeah. Um, and it'd be interesting to look at kind of like the impact that that had because a lot of you's kind of retired reasonably young as well. Something we might go into a bit uh, a bit later yeah. on, but you, you've obviously you know you came through with those those now kind of like legends of the game in terms of like Steph and and Jill and people like that. But you developed into a centre back. Was that always your position? Were you always kind of defensively minded, or were you one of these? kids who's kind of a bit like Steph drop back through the team as you developed um oh it's a good question so I think if I described myself now I would I would say I was a really old-fashioned center half it mm. was my buzz came from winning a header that I really shouldn't have been winning or, or blocking a shot or, or getting getting stuck into a 50-50 tackle um so if you ask me now I'd probably say I was always a defender. I mean, I was very defensively minded, but it was, I actually started off with Sunderland as a right back and I just used to bomb up and down the, the right-hand side. Probably not that great, if I'm honest with you, um, going forward. I used, there used to be a, like kind of a, a running joke that if I stepped over the halfway line, I'd get a nosebleed. So I, even, a, even as a right back, really, it was, it was about the defensive side of of the game, so it was always kind of natural that I was then going to move into centre half. I think, but like at the point of joining the women's team at fourteen, it was there were really established players, really good players, um, the likes of of Jen O'Neill, um, who does she kicks. Mm-hmm. There was um, Emma Redhead, Leslie. Um, there were there's some really established players playing at at centre half, so it's kind of just biding my time really, and and doing a job for the team but I think really I was I was always a centre-half in the making um very very defensive focused so you you will have broken into the team then I guess when in about 2001 well is that when you that's when you joined as a as a 14 year old was it straight into the team yeah. or as you said did you have to, um, to bide your time so it was straight into the setup but I had a season with the reserves um right. It was, and to be honest with you, I think it was absolutely what I needed. It was all of the girls were, were lovely. Don't get me wrong, but I think as a fourteen-year-old kid going into it, it's quite intimidating yeah. to um, to be. To, I mean, I haven't finished growing um, in terms of height. I, I'm very, very small physically, and I think as a in a defensive position, I, I needed my I needed that year to to kind of prepare myself to to be up against kind of fully grown women who've been playing the sport for probably longer than I'd been born at that point. So what what was the leagues that you were playing in then? It was the the FA kind of National League North. Yeah, so there was there was the National League, there was the the Northern Premier League. It, it kind of like they changed the name a bit to be honest with you, but it kind of fluctuated between um, a National League and a Northern League. And Sunderland at that time were kind of Bouncing between the two, weren't they? When you first broke in, yeah. there were there were kind of the upper echelons of the northern, and then and then kind of trying to get established in the in the national. Um, but yeah. later in the decade, um, I guess is when when you came to the fore, when the the team came to the fore, when those kind of younger players, um, and then you know you had Lucy Bronze and people like that coming into the squad as well, is when really the kind of the I guess the glory years of Sunderland women's football kind of started obviously you had the the FA Cup run in 2009 but before that did, was there a kind of a feeling amongst the squad that you know you had this kind of group of really talented local players who who really could do something I think so yeah I mean I think if you talk to anybody from around that time I think we'd all be really honest to say that we were never the best technical team um, but what we what we lacked in terms of um, that tactical ability or technical ability, because we were so young and we were developing, 
we more than made up for in in that desire um, and that mm-hmm. hunger to do well and do well for the club. I mean, you, you see things knocking about all the time now, don't you, about like Sunderland family, Chelsea family, all this sort of thing. But and it's, it's probably a bit of a biased view, but I, I genuinely think we were the, really the first kind of club who who took that. And it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't one of those cliches. It was a genuine, everybody at the club loved the club loved each other and would do anything to back each other up. Um, whether that was on the pitch or off the pitch, we spent a lot of time with each other. And that sense of we had that, and then we saw all of these really young, hungry players coming through who were some of the best, technically some of the best players, and actually in terms of being athletes, were some of the best players that I personally had ever, had ever come across, especially at their age. The likes of, of Lucy, I think... Lucy took a little bit longer to to really kind of realise a potential, mm-hmm. but it was always there and you could see it in her. And I think she had a little bit of a spell in America and then she came back and, and she was a different player. She was absolutely outstanding. And I think Jordan Nobbs, if you, ha- if you asked me one player who I knew would make it, it was Jordan. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I'm devastated the the injuries that she's had because she is... She was then, and I think if she, when she gets a run and she gets her fitness, she is one of the best players in the world. Yeah. Forget England, she's one of those. She's one of the best players in the world, and it's just a shame that she kind of seems to get these injuries around those those peak tournaments as well. Yeah, she just picked one up, and she's got. I mean, she's got such a sweet right foot as well. You know, the, <laughs> I don't think there's anyone quite like her in terms of like being able to strike the ball. And uh, yeah, she's a really, really great player, and. Um, just looking back at all clips of of back then as well, she was you know always on the end of things, wasn't she? She was always you know getting she in the was. box and really 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 great football. And it has been a shame that she won't be or may, may well not be uh, at the Euros because of this this latest yeah. injury. Yeah, but- it's 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 one of those where I think that there's there's some aspects of the game that you can train into people, but there are some aspects of the game that are just they're within certain players um, and that ability to read the game and that, that football intelligence is is something that the likes of Jordan, Lucy, Lucy Stan as well. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd put Lucy, Lucy Stan forth in that as, as well. They, they had that and it was already built in them. It was then just about working around that to make sure that they, they met the potential that was already there. Yeah, certainly. And, and, and those players um, were with you on that, that 2009 cup run. Yeah. You missed the final itself, didn't you? But you I did. Were you in, you were involved in in the run itself? You play at the stadium in in, uh, I did. in for against Chelsea? I did, yes. Um so I missed the final because I was um I was suspended. So oh. my I I was I was sent off. Um, and I'll not go into it, but I was sent off for something that I've never seen anybody sent off for before, and I've never seen anybody sent off for since. But the suspension started on the Sunday, and the final was the Monday. But I was involved in kind of the the quarter, well, the whole run up really. But I was just coming back from injury, and I so I came on as a sub in the quarter final against Bristol, played the semi final against Chelsea at the stadium, and then obviously missed the final itself. That must have been a kind of a bit of a dream come true that 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 semi um you know in foot it was amazing the, you know one, one of the greatest days in your career yeah I, I would say so I think that nobody gave us any chance and it was one of those where I think everybody looking at it wanted an Arsenal Chelsea final mm-hmm. and I think our Chelsea themselves were I think they thought they were already there and we just had that, like that togetherness that I was talking about earlier. We had that, and and we went into that game absolutely knowing that that was our day. We we knew we had we had that full belief that if we did what we knew we could do, we would turn them over, um, and it proved it. I think that I would love to see the footage of the game back. Someone must have it recorded somewhere, but it was. It was just one of those things where everything went our way. Any loose ball, we were first to it. Any 50-50, we came out with the ball. We had an opportunity, we put it in the net. It was just, it was one of those days where everything went our way. Yeah, and and, and obviously just for those who might not kind of know the history, 
Um, Chelsea, I think, were second in the in mm-hmm. the top flight at the time. Sunderland were top of the second tier. So yeah. obviously, two teams in really really good form, and it, it must have been an amazing amazing game. It, it's one that you know, if it if it happened now, there would be you know be headlines all over about it. Yeah. I've I've scratched around to find uh, information about it in the lead up to this. Um obviously I was aware of it at the time, but you know there was no streaming, there was no um radio commentary or anything like that. So um it's really nice to 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 hear about it. I'll not go too deep into the final itself because it must be really painful for you to have been suspended in that kind of fashion. <laughs> but yeah. They they did themselves really proud that didn't they on that. You watch it back oh. and obviously, you know, the Arsenal team was out of this world. You know, you look down the list of names, it's kind of scary, really. But but Sunderland really did kind of dig in and and took them all the way, didn't they? It, it, it was a fantastic, oh, I guess absolutely. it was a fantastic day. It, it, it was a really, do you know what it was? It was just a fantastic occasion. And we went into that game with belief. So, I mean, although I wasn't kind of in the game, I was still around the squad. I was still kind of the 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 club tried to make make me part of it as much as, as could. So that they got me my number six shirt with the name and embroidered with the, the match details, etc. I was a, I was away with the with the team the day before. Um I wasn't actually allowed in the stadium until spectators were, but everything leading up to that, it was I was there and I was part of it. And you could there really was that sense of this this could be our day. I think Chelsea, we absolutely knew we've got this. We're going to an FA Cup final. It was just we had to get through the 90 minutes and get it done. But I think even going into that Arsenal game, there was so much belief within the squad. Like you say, we, we had the likes of... We had Demi Stokes, we had Jordan Nobbs, we had Lucy Bronze, we had Lucy Stan. We, we had a core down the middle of kind of... We had Vicky G, uh, Steph Bannon... Kelly McDougall, um, Natalie Gutridge, we had mm-hmm. that spine of, of players who had that experience as well as that mix of youth in there as well. And it was, I mean, if you looked at the stats in terms of possession, chances, that sort of thing, yes, it looks like Arsenal dominated it. But if you if you think if you look at the game and analyse it, they had all of that, but they didn't really look like they were gonna get more than the, the, the two goals that, mm-hmm. that they had. And I think that for Kelly to get that, what obviously turned out to be a consolation goal in the end, but to get that and the game finished 2-1, I think it, that was almost like a marker of our intent for the, the next season. And it, it really gave... The result was one thing, but actually what that game was more about was we'd, we'd seen off Bristol, who were the league above us in the quarterfinals. We saw off Chelsea, who were the league above us in the semifinals. And then we were pitting ourselves against Arsenal, who... I mean, they lose kind of once in a blue moon. So for us to push them that that far was was really a, a sign of what we were capable of achieving in the coming years. Totally. And and what you did achieve was promotion to the yeah. the women's Premier League national one, you know, the the, the, the kind of the top level. Um finished in fifth winning 12 games the next season so you must have come into that flying really looking at you know that record really able to hold your own against those those kind of top flight teams who'd been been around for a, a while as you say your Bristol's and, and Chelsea's and Arsenal's was that a, a, a great season um, did, and one of the things obviously that must have been lingering in the background was was again the kind of the, like the, the reorganisation of of football once again. So, um, what 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 do you make of that kind of two thousand nine ten season up in the top flight? Oh, that that season has so many mixed emotions tied up in it. I think to the the Super League and the the news of the Super League application kind of came towards the end of it, but everything leading up to that was was just so. It was amazing. So, I mean, to to kind of go back in time a little bit when. When I first joined um, the women's set up and, and kind of we didn't have any of the backing from the men's club and that sort of thing, it was mm-hmm. we, we used to look at the likes of Arsenal, um, Chelsea, and we used to kind of think, right, if we keep this scoreline below double figures, we've done all right here. So if we draw them in the cup game or, or we 
we have them in I mean we, we never played them in the league at that point um, but if, if we get them in the cup game we'll just travel down on the morning of because it'll be cheaper than an overnight stay um, we'll keep it below double figures and we've done a good job so to, to go from that kind of place where we were as a, as a club as a squad to then get into where we were with the FA Cup final the year before and then pitting ourselves against these teams and actually going down there um, or them coming to us it and and looking for looking for a result, not looking to contain it, but, but looking to come out with three points. It was a it was a massive shift in mentality and, and culture within the club and it was a sign of actually how far we had come. And actually that season was that we did beat Arsenal when they came up. So we beat Arsenal two one. And I think that was their only defeat that year in the league. And it, I think it was something like only the second time they'd lost domestically in something like six years. It was a, I mean, they had an insane record. But again, that was one of those things where we we knew and we trusted who was alongside us, who was in front of us, who was behind us. So you knew that if you made a mistake, you had two or three players who were there to pick it up. And and like I say, we had that we had that core through the, the spine of the team of of kind of that experience. And I say experience, but it wasn't necessarily that that they were they were older players. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we, we're talking about experience, but I think at that time there was probably the likes of myself, Steph. We were probably me and Steph. Other than other than Kelly, I think we were and Vicky G. We were probably the oldest players, and we were kind of twenty, nineteen, yeah. twenty kind Mad. of age. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't old, um, but but because of the way the women's game was set up back then, that that was experienced. But we ha- we had that spine, and then we had the youth and the flair around us as well, and. And I th- it was just an amazing, amazing year. We would we travelled to Arsenal, we travelled to Everton, we have Arsenal coming up and we'd be getting results against these teams. And if we weren't, we were really disappointed with, with the outcome. And again, it was just that that all we were all in it together and we we really were that family unit. But then obviously we, we got the news of the Super League. Parents were running the club at the time. So, so we had our parents going back and forth to meetings with the FA about what the league was going to be, how it was going to be set up how you would get into it um, and that whole bid and tender process. And then it was on the back end of the, the season we found out that we were unsuccessful. And it did put a dampener on things because mm-hmm. the younger players, the likes of, of Jordan and Lucy, they were kind of thinking, well, for me to progress, do I need to leave? Um, for, me to, for my career to go to the next level, have I got to go somewhere else now? And what I would say is that it did put a, a dampener on the season, but what it didn't do was put a dampener on kind of that togetherness. Yeah. Um, because <clears throat> those of us who kind of understood that for us football was only ever going to really be a hobby versus the likes uh, of the players I've mentioned, it was it was potential to be a career for the, for those people, um, and we understood that. So whatever the decision had been at the end of the season, I think everybody supported it. I mean, I know that I had conversations with a couple of them. I know Steph did, Kelly did, and, and it was. I think we we all had that understanding of of what that would potentially mean for us as a club at the end of the year but it 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 did put a bit of a dampener on it but it it was one of those things that it was half expected at the same time that's really interesting actually to to kind of get that insight into the the, what was going on and the different kind of career paths and where people saw their saw their futures either kind of as you say as amateur or part-time players or or as kind of doing it as, as a full-time professional at, at, at the elite level and those players having to move on. But Sunderland kept going, kept winning, kept winning every season um, in the in the Women's Premier League for, what, three, I think three, four years in a row winning the league yeah. before eventually getting promoted again. There was one more opportunity for when the, when the um, WSL was expanded, we were... Obviously, we finished top of the league. Business case went in alongside Man City, who unsurprisingly were were chosen. Yes. Um, again, uh, I just want to like to get your perspective. I know you know where where was it in terms of the support that you were getting or the club was getting from the the wider Sunderland AFC during that kind of period when you know b- before we were in WSL two when we're still in the Women's Premier League and still winning it every yeah. year. What was the support from Sunderland AFC like at that point? I think, I mean, it was better than it had been in previous years, absolutely 100%. And I think that, that it kind of, 
the improvement in support of the club kind of coincided with when Quinny came in, mm-hmm. um, in that higher capacity within the club. Because, I mean, going back to when when we kind of dropped in those, in those kind of Bob Murray days, it was... We, there was actually a period where we weren't even allowed to use the sun and badge. So yeah. we had actually created, we created our own badge. We we had looked for sponsors. We were looking at whether Nike would supply us with kits, whether um, like Deodora or who who would supply us with a kit. Um, where could we play? How would we get there? What what would the badge look like? And we had all of this and we designed it all. And and kind of at the, the 11th hour, the club came in and said, right, okay, we'll give you the strips. We'll give you the shirts. So, I mean, to go from that to where we were through those those Premier League years were was actually a, a massive step forward. So the club did support us with tracksuits. They would give us a, a training. I think they'd give us a, a sweatshirt, a rain jacket, the strips, obviously. Um, and they would they would support us and pay for the travel as well, which, which was kind of a, a massive thing. I, rem- I remember one year, we um, before the before the club really did that. We we turned up to the Academy of Light to 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 get on the bus to go down to Watford, and it was a um, it was a double decker. So <laughs> it was it was it was one of those things. I mean, I know the club didn't really like us to say it. Um, and I know Mick Mulhern hated it when we said it, but we, we had this little, little running joke within the squad that we were like the flying horse. We were like a pub team. We were the flying horse. That was us. <laughs> and then we rocked, we, we rocked up and there was this, this, I think it was orange as well. I think it was a bright orange double decker to go down to Watford. And it was just, it kind of summed us up at that point. You know, it was, it was, it was an experience, but it, it was, it, it sounds daft, but it was things like that, that actually helped bring us together yeah. and really helped with that that team spirit and I mean there were funny stories there was like the coaches down on the bottom floor we were up on the top deck thinking like looking at bridges as we come in and thinking, oh my god are we going to fit underneath that and it was, it was it was it was daft but it made the it made the days go by but it was it was a great it was a great time to be honest with you that the club I'm not sure what more they could have done for us at that point because we were stuck where we were we couldn't progress anywhere would players have come to us even if the club had kind of invested so that we could buy players? Probably not because the clubs above would have taken them to go and play in a, a semi-professional league rather than the leagues that we were in. So kind of over the years, there's a lot that the club has done and we could point the finger at and say it wasn't good enough. Did did it hinder the progress of, of the women's game in the northeast? But I think at that time, they probably did what, what was reasonable um, yeah. based on where we were as a club and, and what we had the potential to be as a club because of the, the restrictions that were placed on us by the FA and, and that whole league structure. But I think that, I mean, it all has to be given in context, doesn't it? And I think that <clears throat> if you look at the women's game and you look at what has been going on in, in the women's game in the North East in particular, although it wasn't always great, I think Sunderland probably did the most for the women's game oh, yeah. um in the northeast so so yeah i mean could could it have been better yeah absolutely it could have um but could it have been better at that particular time I, i'm not I'm, I'm not entirely sure it would have made much difference at, at that time with the league structures yeah no it's 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 it, it is interesting um to get that perspective from somebody on the inside of like because I know, I know as a as a kind of a fan watching from afar, talking to my dad who would go down every week, it was it was frustrating that we were, you know we didn't seem to be able to progress. But what it did yeah. give us is the opportunity to like win every year and to to get some really really glorious <laughs> yeah. really glorious moments. And I think like kind of the 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 one thing I really want to speak to you about was the the double in twenty twelve, um, yeah. where we kind of. Uh, you know, had an amazing season and then kind of got to the last couple of weeks and it was, you know, winning the league one week and then the league cup final at, at Northampton um, against Leeds. I think Leeds were our closest yeah. kind of rivals at the time um, yeah. and came away with, with the double. What what was that kind of just that two week period must have been, must have been mad and, and really, you know, really, really memorable. Do you know what it is? Like, I feel like I feel a bit guilty for saying it, but it's a little bit of a blur to be honest with you. I remember the other <laughs> stuff more than I, than I actually remember that. I think 
Do you know when we're talking about kind of that everything that happened with the club and the WSL and not getting in there? I think, I think we need to remember Leeds in that as well. Yeah. So, so that year when we finished fifth, um, in the WS, well, it wasn't the WSL. It was the the then National Premier League. We finished fifth and Leeds finished fourth, and neither mm-hmm. of us were accepted in the WSL. So, so we had sort of two of the the best five teams in the country really relegated into a league below. Um, so it was kind of, it was us competing against each other for, for quite a while through that entire period, really. And if it wasn't us winning things, it was Leeds winning things. And that season, I think we did the double over them in the league. And the league itself was very, very tight. I think we actually only, I think we, I think we pipped them to the title by about one point in the end. It was a very, very close season. And you would go into every game with Leeds and you knew you were going to have a battle. It was it was going to be physical. It was going to be a really hard-fought game. It was going to be chances either side. And a lot of the time, it was who could hold their nerve the most because there was going to be... I say there was going to be chances, but there weren't really clear-cut chances. We matched each other up really well. And it was who could take that, that opportunity when it did come. And I remember... I remember winning the league and I remember getting ready for the, the cup final and um, our captain Steph Bannon, I think she'd done her MCL. I think she'd done her MCL leading up to that, to that running and we were crowned champions and then she missed the league cup final um, because, because she had that knee injury. So kind of similar to me with the FA Cup, it was kind of Steph had been involved in it all the way through and then missed that, that last opportunity to be involved in it. But the game itself, I mean, I've got, I've, I don't have ginger hair, but I definitely have the ginger gene. And uh, it was a scorching hot day. And I remember my face was burning. <laughs> and it was, I think, I think it was Beth Mead's first season with us, actually. Was it Beth Mead's? I think it might have been Beth Mead's first season with us. And uh, if I remember right, I think she was playing on the right wing rather than up front. And I, and I remember a, a twisty little face because Beth always wanted to be in and around the goals. I mean, she'd do whatever mm. she needed to do for the team and she still does. Um, you ask her to do a job and she'll do it. But really, she wanted to be up front um, and she wanted to be scoring the goals. And I think to ask her to play on the right wing in the cup final, I mean, I found it hilarious seeing her face, but I don't think she found it that funny. But she, she had a little mini sulk. Um, I don't think she'd mind me saying it too much. But then it, it came to the game and, I mean, ever the, the professional, she just put her head down. She did the job that she needed to do for the team. And it was another one of those where I think that whatever team we've had, it's had, it's had people who loved, loved the badge. And again, it, it was just about that, that grit and that fight to put your body on the line, get stuck in, do what needed to be done, do, do the stuff that wasn't the pretty stuff, but it would get the results and, and, and that was just kind of the mentality we had as a squad back then. It was always just do what you have to do um, and worry about the rest later. And the day itself, I remember I remember it was 2-1 and that last five minutes was so nervy. It was one of those, Joe, I was just like, right, just get the ball. If the ball's up the other end of the pitch, they can't go in our net. It was just get rid of it. And when the ref blew the whistle, it was kind of... I think it was that release, to be honest with you. I think we'd been so close to achieving so much over such a long period of time to that, to then get the double and do it with the the group of girls who, who kind of we were doing it with. Where, like I say, where we were all friends, we would go out together, we would go for meals, we'd go out drinking together. We would, it was like that togetherness and to do it with a group of girls who that's, who you, you genuinely enjoyed spending time with it wasn't just a case of you had to, you had to suffer it while you were on the pitch together. It was it was nice to do it with that that kind of group. Yeah, totally. Um, and you can see that in the in the pictures. You can see that. I love I love the picture of like um, I think is it Lawsy spraying everyone with champagne as <laughs> as uh, as Kelly McDougal and and Steph with a with a leg kind of all yeah. wrapped up in in a in a in a brace um, lifting the cup. That's I think really like an evocative image and I think one it'd be nice to get a nice big mural of that somewhere that's my one yeah. of my, my ambitions do you know what it is some of the pictures you've put on the the twitter account I've never seen them before I they were brilliant to see them the, over the past hanging week or so hanging around on the getty archive for 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 a oh. long a long time 
Um, but I'm going to have to have a look. Yeah. Nice, to, nice to be able to get them out there, really, and and celebrate the history of the of the club. Um, but you know, it didn't stop there, did it? I mean, obviously, did eventually get a place in the WSL structures. Um, 2013-14 in WSL2, up against, I think, Durham in, in that season mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Just started out and started, obviously, with a, a couple of good games against Durham, beating them twice, I think, in a, in a, in a, in a yeah. short space of time, which is always nice. There was that one where Beth Mead was right up in, in their keeper's face after scoring a pen. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it is? That, that really, that sums Beth Mead up. At that time, <laughs> that time, that really just summed Beth Mead up. She was like so cheeky and in your face <laughs> and she, she really played on the edge of what was okay to do. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. I, I love that clip. It's one of my favourites from the archives. But going all the way through that season... Um, Sunderland looked pretty indomitable in in some ways, really confident, came all the way through, got to that game at Millwall in the end and, and we you, you did you know by that point that you were up or was it No. No. I think we had we had to have the result on the day. Yeah. To be honest with you, it's very rare. So all those things that we've we've achieved, it was very rare for us to do it ahead of schedule it, it, it always kind of it almost felt like it always went down to the the 11th hour that's um, very very Sunderland that isn't it doesn't matter men's women's <laughs> yeah. that's right. never a dull moment is <laughs> you, know, you know that no, Wembley uh, is not going to be 3-0 at a canter on Saturdays oh, it's going to be, be, be nerve-wracking yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean like it probably when you when I look back at the seasons it probably wasn't really like that but it when you were involved in it it really felt like that mm-hmm. like every Every result right up until the final whistle on the final day of the season, it, it always felt like you had to get the result. And part of that was because actually that was the mentality of the of the squad and that was kind of driven by the players themselves. It was driven by the, the parents who, who were helping us run it and kind of wanting to give something back to them as, as well as kind of the coaching staff. You know, like we had... We had Mick um, over the years. We've had Mick, Trevor, Mel's come back as a as a coach. Uh, she was a player back in the day when I first joined as well. We we've had kind of we've had people who've been involved in the club because they love the club. Whether like I say whether that's the playing staff, whether that was the the people helping them run the club in in terms of the parents or or even the coaching staff. It was everybody was there because they wanted to be there, and I think I think that's been a massive factor in in our success as a club actually and that, and that season was no different it was a case of right we've we've got an opportunity now in WSL2 let's go and prove a point that we should have been here all along I mean WSL2 didn't exist to start with but let's just go and make a point that we're ready so when we do get accepted I mean we didn't know we would we would get up into WSL1 we we didn't know whether we would be shut down whether we'd you'd not be allowed to go up. Um, we had that kind of situation, as, as you alluded to previously, when Man City went up, when we had won the league. Um, so there was never a certainty, but it was kind of always that mentality of, well, let's prove our point, let's prove mm-hmm. our worth. And when the opportunity comes, we'll be ready for it. And that, that season really was just another case of that. Yeah, and boy, were you ready for it when you went up. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. top, top of the league after after the first part of the season, uh, in that kind of... that. Um, 2014-15 um, season obviously had Mido scoring for fun had a really solid team that you know looked really hard to, to, to break down and was pulling out results all over the place uh, against you know some of the really established names again just must have been a bit like that 2010 season had just been really exciting to be in that in amongst that kind of elite and really pushing it and really kind of mixing it and and getting some amazing amazing results and 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 some great goals as well Joe we had some absolutely amazing goals some amazing I always remember Chelsea at Hetton yeah um and Meadows Meadows just I don't even know how to describe it it was just one of those things where it was it was her day uh, yeah. And it didn't matter what happened. It was her stage. It, it was one of those where... Had she been in a gone. car crash like just before it as well? Something like yeah, that. She had. Yeah, she had. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was kind of a, one of those where just like... I think Beth was always one of those players. So Joe, you know, I was saying earlier that I think that when we had the likes of Jordan, etc., I think from from Jordan's very first day training with us, 
I think everybody could see, right, she's going to make it. She's, she's, she's got that next, next step. And I think when Beth came to us, we could all see the potential. It was just whether or not she could see that potential and whether she could take it to the next, next stage and, and, and kind of that, that maturity to take it to the next stage. Um, she loved to laugh. She loved to joke. I mean, we all did. And it was, it was whether we could support her in that confidence to, to get to where she needed to be. And I mean, like, you see what she's doing now. I, I think she's just, she's flying. And honest, honestly, she is one of the nicest people. I mean, she's, she's crackers. Don't get me wrong. She's absolutely crackers. She, <laughs> I remember she, she stayed at my house a few times because she lived in, oh God, Whitby. where did she live? Yeah. Hinder, is it Hinderwell or something like that? I think it was. But yeah, Whitby. And so when she was professional with the club, it was the, it was that season actually, and they would train on the morning, and it made no sense for her to travel back to then come back up the next morning. So I said, so she stayed at my house, and honestly, she was nuts. I remember getting a phone call once, and she's like, "Jem, I've posted the key through your door, but I need to get back in." And I was like, I "Don't really know what you want me to do. I'm at work." <laughs> so, so, so she had gone and she had found. I'm sure this is how it happened. She had found the site manager or she had found someone because I was on a new build estate and they had like a big magnet or something and they were trying to get the keys through my letterbox. So I went back on the night after work and there's all these scratches up the inside of my door from where the keys had been scraping up and down the inside of the door. And, uh, but I think that kind of sums her up. She was love lovely girl, but um, yeah, crackers. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had a, I had a nice chat with her last summer um and and yeah she she's good fun and and <laughs> and like like lord of the the girls really down to earth and always yeah, kind of is. willing to have a chat and i know our katie's a biggest a biggest mate a biggest fan and she's yeah. always always willing for a, a, a selfie and that but you you've finished fifth that was it fourth no fourth that year fourth that year fourth, yeah, so yeah. like definitely that kind of like best of the rest really putting putting ourselves up there amongst the, you know the real top teams in in England probably in in Europe then at, at the time um so you know an excellent achievement but that was that was the end of it for for you playing um yeah what was it that was behind that decision was it just like you you just needed to get on with your your career outside of football or was it physical or, or what 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 sat behind you um, calling it a day the- there was a few things to be honest. Um, so, I didn't have the the best season in terms of of I didn't I didn't play very much. Um, when I did play, I, I just didn't feel like I played very well. But I kind of I don't think I was mentally in the right space at that point. So it was it was in the just as we were about to start pre season, um, I lost my dad, and I never yeah, like I never really got back into it. Um, so it was one of those where football was always a release and it was always like the, the way to escape and, and deal with things. Um, but my dad was actually, he worked at the club. So that place that was the escape then became the reminder. Yeah. So it, it, was, it was kind of, it was driven a, a bit by that. I think when I, when I first went back and joined the girls, just literally just before the season started. Um, I think part of me already knew that that was going to be it. I was under contract. I would do everything I could for the club, but I just, I don't know. It, it didn't feel the same. Um, and then, so I didn't play a huge amount that season. Um, we had like, we had professional players in my position as well as kind of, of Steph. And I just, I, I don't know. It, it didn't feel right for me to kind of still be there at that point I think that was probably more my own kind of emotional space that I was in at that point rather than the reality um but then there was also the the physical side of it as well so I um I was playing who was it against I think it might have been against Everton um we're playing a cup game one of the county cup games at Hetton and I went in on a, a challenge in the second half and um so 
I was I slid on my left hand side and the I can't even remember who it was now, but the player landed on my right hand side and it opened up my shoulder joint. And we thought it was just a we thought it was just beside us. Um and so kept training, kept kind of playing if I was asked to play, but the shoulder was just getting worse and worse and worse. I had injections in it, it wasn't getting any better. Pretty much lost all movement in it. I couldn't do anything with it. Um <clears throat> and the season came to an end and I, I got in touch with the PFA. Um and I went and saw a, an upper limb specialist and actually I ended up needing quite a major operation on it and it kind of all being pinned back together. It kind of, it wasn't a joint anymore. It was just kind of there. So in that kind of, at that point, I still had somewhere in the back of my head, I still had these ambitions of being a paramedic and I thought it's it's getting to a point now where it's going to jeopardise any potential to do that. So if you ask me on... If you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably say it wasn't the right decision to to, to drop out when I did. Um, so it, it kind of depends depends when you ask me um, and, and what kind of day I'm having, to be honest. But I think I think it probably, it was the right time for me emotionally at that point. I think it, it wasn't the, the release that it always had been. And then physically, I just, after that shoulder operation, I it was a a six to 12 month recovery from that surgery anyway. So, I mean, I, by that point, I'd have been knocking on 30 before I'd even get back into tr- any form of training again. So it, it it probably was the right decision in hindsight. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like it was one that was made in, in your best interests, um, certainly. And uh, yeah, thanks for, for going into that because it must be, must, must be difficult to look back on. But you've, you've gone on and you've had career outside the game you had ambitions to be um paramedic at one point you went to uni and now you work in education so can you tell listeners like what a bit like what was what it's been like as a kind of a an an ex player kind of building building a career maybe a bit later than some of your your peers and uh and 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 what you what you're up to now so to be honest with you i don't think that we i think because of because of my age group, when we were coming through, so the likes of myself, um, Kelly, Steph, Vicky G, we, I mean, Kelly not so much, because she was, she was obviously involved in that England setup and everything as well, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't really a, a thing we, we really thought about football being a career, um, mm-hmm. when we were kind of, at that age of kind of 18 to, to 21, and thinking about university, and what jobs we were going to go for, so it, it didn't, it didn't hold us back as much as what as what you maybe would think in terms of so that career in education that kind of where I am now is, is probably where I would have been regardless of football but in terms of that paramedic space it definitely I think I put off doing the paramedic stuff because I wasn't ready to give football up yet and I think to go and do paramedics with the different shifts and the training and everything you would need it to do I just I don't think I'd have been able to do both. And at the point of choosing careers and, and paths to go down, I wasn't prepared to give football up yet. It, it I needed it too much, if I'm honest. So I think it prevented me becoming a paramedic at that point and then kind of circumstances around it has stopped me going any further with that. Um, really, I can't afford to go back to university and, and study again. The entry requirements have changed and I, I couldn't afford to do that now. But I still, I, I try to kind of stay with it as, as, as much as I can. So I, I do still volunteer with um, St. John Ambulance. So when I stop playing, I, I join St. John Ambulance. So I do get to to have some level of experience, obviously not to the level of, of being a paramedic, but, you know, it, it opens up opportunities to to try to help and make a difference in other ways. So things like through COVID, St. John Ambulance, we help with vaccinations. We helped with, so up here, we... We actually worked in, or we volunteered in the QE um, in Gateshead. Right. So we were we were on the COVID wards. We were doing portering shifts, security shifts, just kind of meets and greets and, and supporting patients as they were coming in and out. And, and just with some patients who, obviously they didn't have family, um, weren't able to, to visit because of the restrictions. So, so it was just kind of 
some some days it was just sitting with patients and talking to them so they had somebody to talk to so it gives you things like St John it gives you that opportunity to do that so although I haven't been able to go on and and join the ambulance service in in the capacity I wanted to I've still got a an almost a link to it um, and a bit of an opportunity through that way. No, that sounds amazing. Sounds like you've been doing some really amazing work. It must have been a really tough time for anyone who's working in in health and, and, and especially the great people like yourself who've been volunteering over the last couple of years. It, 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 it's been a, a hell of a time for lots of people. Um, but it's, it's good that we've got people like yourself who will dedicate themselves to that. It's It's amazing. So back to football, I guess, and like now, um, obviously yeah. you you know Mel. You played with Mel. Um, you played with I guess Abby Joyce, Kira Ramshaw, young yeah. Emma Kelly as well. You, uh, yeah, Emma, Emma Kelly. So, uh, yeah, Meg Beer as well. Yeah, Meg. And so what what do you think of how the lasses are doing now? Obviously back again in in tier two after another yeah another kind yeah. of um uh well combination of abandonment by a club and <laughs> and the FA's license requirements and stuff like that what do you think of you know obviously the season's just finished it's been successful in terms of um staying in tier two what do you what do you make of what Mel and and Steph are doing there Joe like when I like I was talking earlier about when I first joined the women's setup Mel was captain of the first team so kind of knowing Mel from that that space as a as a kind of my captain at that point, it was, um, it's not really a surprise, mm-hmm. to be honest, the, <laughs> the expectations she puts on people, she wants excellence and she wants people to want to do well. So from that perspective, and obviously she's had a lot of experience working with Gateshead College and, and the teams there as well. Um, it's not really a surprise what she's getting out of the players. The, and like you say, like Mel, obviously from that perspective, but then Kira, Meg, Emma Kelly, Joycey, playing alongside them, training with them. They're, they've got the potential, they've got the ability. It's about just being given the opportunity and they've got that now and, and they're taking it. And again, lovely, lovely lasses, really down to earth. Meg B is probably one of those crazy ones. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think actually is a story for you. So Kira, I remember Kira when she made her debut for us. I joke about this with her sometimes now still. Um, she came on the pitch uh, and she, she, she looked really shy. She was, I think she was 16 year old. She looked really shy, really nervous. And, and obviously me and Steph Bannon were playing centre half. She came on, she looked at the two of us and to be honest with you, she looked petrified. So I kind of, I just said to her, get stuck in keys. Don't worry about it, just get stuck in. That cues Kira for 15 seconds later. So just coming onto the pitch, she just goes straight through somebody, <laughs> straight through them, yellow card straight away. She just turns around, looks at me and Bannon and just starts laughing. And I was just like, oh, wow, <laughs> this, 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 this is what we've got to look forward to now. Um, but she's she's absolutely nuts. But she's a lovely, lovely girl. And I think with with people like that, they're, they're all... They've got that crazy streak in them, but they've also got that, that really caring side and supportive side. And I think when you've got a spine of, of players like that through the through the team, it helps bring on young players. And I know they've got a very young squad at the minute. The way we did, to be fair, mm-hmm. back then, but what we had back then was it was different. So we, we had uh, maybe three, four young players a season would come through and join and we would all be experienced. Whereas I think it's... Over the past couple of years, it's been almost the reverse of that. And they've had a lot of young players with maybe four or five experienced players. But they've got huge potential in there as well. And as long as they've got that kind of that togetherness, that spirit, that desire to fight for the badge, they can do whatever they want to do. Because a lot of players will come and go at other clubs. They'll have players who are are technically better, tactically better. But if you want it more that goes a lot further than the talent. And I mean, that's what we showed against the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea. It was, we were up for it more. We wanted it more. We had each other's backs more. And I think someone like Mel leading them with Kira, with Emma Kelly, they'll they'll have that in abundance through that team um, and they'll not let that kind of standard drop. So I, I think they've got 
great things to come in, in future seasons. I really do. It's just whether or not we can keep that squad together and build and grow together. Yeah, I mean that that's going to be key, isn't it? Keeping keeping those youngsters who are you know all a lot a lot of them playing England age group level and stuff, keeping them yeah. keeping them at the club and giving them a a career because I guess that's what young uh, female footballers are are aiming for now. Is that is that career in the game and because uh, it because it's there for them and they can see it in front it of is. them and and we've got the Euros coming up as well are you excited about the lionesses are you you know with all, all your all your old muckers playing uh for them <laughs> you, will you be at old trafford for the opener i won't be no i'll not be i'll not be at the game but it's so nice to go into into a, an international tournament with that level of expectation mm-hmm. it's been a it's been a long time coming it's been rumbling under the surface for quite a while i think but i think the the quality of the players that are, are or in and around that setup now. I think previously that the squads were made up of players. I mean, this is just my personal view, but squads were made up of players who had always been there, not necessarily mm-hmm. informed players, not necessarily the best players. It was it was players who were known, and I think that setup now is is built around who are the best players and how or, or who are the best squad of players that can play together and, and how do we complement each other the best and. I think when you've got people the likes of of Mido, I mean the form she's in is absolutely unbelievable, um, and it's really nice to see that the the old Sunderland girls doing that and being part of it and being quite a core and and mainstream part of that and yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting tournament. I think there's there's a great opportunity for England. It's 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 whether or not they hold their nerve with it, but I think I think it's going to be very very exciting. And I do. I hope to. I really hope they do. They do it because it's it's probably one of the best opportunities they've had recently to to go there and and win it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be massive for the game as well. It could give it will. It could give every club a huge huge boost. You know, exposing yeah um, women's football to you know the whole attention of of the whole country for for a month. I think it's going to be massive. You know, even if England don't go all the way, and there's some amazing teams in in Europe, you know, it's just going to be very exciting yeah. to watch overall. Um, another exciting game, and I think we're both excited about it. I just just got my tickets. Um, we're at Wembley on Saturday. Yes. Cheesy chips on Wembley. Where is it? Is it a, a bit a big weekend for you? Yeah. So I'll, um, I can't get out of can't get out of work on the Friday, so I'm going to miss the Trafalgar Square bit. Yeah, um, me too. I was so looking forward to that. But I'll definitely be I'll be all over social media on Friday looking at what what's going on and, and how it's looking. But yeah, I'm going down on one of um the Al's coaches. Oh nice. Um so I, I tried to get the try to get train tickets to be honest with you, because I thought right, I'll get there early, I'll, I'll soak up the atmosphere, it'll be great. I couldn't get a train ticket back. Um uh-huh. there's no fares, I just couldn't get couldn't get back. So going down on the on one of the supporters' coaches, be going down I think the tra- I think the buses are leaving between five and seven. Um so we'll still be there early. <laughs> so there'll be plenty of time to soak up the atmosphere, have some cheesy chips on Wembley Way, as you say. And I'm just do you know what it is? I'm not that I'm not that superstitious in any part of life except for watching the men. And I have to go in exactly the same turnstile at the stadium. I have to arrive at about the same time. I have to go to the same cubicle in the toilets before the match starts. <laughs> same playlist on the on the journey to the stadium, unless we lose, and then it all starts again, and we find a new ritual. So I'm just over the moon that we're in the opposite side of, of Wembley. Yeah. So yeah. I've been yeah. I've been to Wembley three times. The first one was um, the Charlton playoff final in the ninety seven ninety eight season. <sighs> that was torturous. Um, great game, mind torturous, but great game. Then I went to the the Man City League Cup final, and then I was at the Charlton playoff final and I've sat in relatively similar seats for every game um obviously it was a different Wembley's but generally speaking mm. pitch view it was it was about the same and obviously we lost all all of them didn't we so I'm just glad we're over the other side of the stadium this year um yeah. oh yes I get nervous talking about it, like already no, so it's ridiculous I. So do I. Um, <laughs> making me nervous talking about it. <laughs> I was confident. Uh, no, but it's gonna it's gonna be a great week for Sunderland fans in the in the lead up to that. Um, thank you for your time and you know all your stories and and um, you know the 
the kind of the benefit of your experience in in the game. It's it's an exciting time for for Sunderland Football Club for women's football. So yeah, thanks a lot, Gemma, for your for your time this morning, and uh, yeah, all the best for for the weekend. Thank you. Yes, let's let's hope that we win as well. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So um, thanks everyone for listening as well. There's obviously loads of coverage of both the men and the women on the Rook Report website. Uh, we'll be doing more of these interviews, hopefully, with more people um, who've been involved with Sunderland AFC, ladies of Sunderland women, over the over the course of the last kind of three decades or so on our new podcast. So um, thanks everyone and see you all later. Sarah. Apology, chemistry, biology, toxic, misogyny, still